Merry Christmas. Please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be here today, Lord, and to praise you and celebrate this amazing gift that we have because you came as an as a baby, Lord. So we just lift up our praises to you this morning. commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and Merciful Lord grant you absolute remission of all your sins through repentance, and then in life, and grace and consolation. Amen. Lord have mercy. Christ, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy.
Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading this morning is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10, commencing. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the psalm. Our psalm this morning is 148, and we will read responsively by the half verse. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, Praise him, you heavens of heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. Praise the Lord from the earth. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, mountains and all hills, beasts and all cattle, kings of the earth and all peoples, both young men and maidens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. And he has exalted the horn of his people. The praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Hallelujah. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. This morning's New Testament reading comes from Galatians, chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth, his spirit, has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir of God through Christ. The word of the Lord. Amen. Please stand for reading of the gospel. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. St. Luke chapter 2 beginning with verse 22. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, To do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ.
press into the promises of God. We know that you can arrest the fear that tries to infiltrate our hearts and you can wipe that clean so that we can see you. And I pray today as we open up your word that you would just reveal yourself to us and reveal the hope that is set before us in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me get this water. So this is the last Sunday of 2020. Hallelujah. (laughs) Um, It's fascinating because, of course, the implications of all the things that we've gone through this year will continue to be debated and revealed as we go forward. But I will tell you one thing. The phrase hindsight is 2020 is never going to mean the same thing again. I am glad 2020 is in the hindsight, but not because God wasn't active and moving in the midst of the chaos. I'm excited because I know for a fact that God is moving in the midst of the chaos and that he will continue to do so. I watched this fun show on Netflix. 
that I just found the other day. I was looking for something lighthearted, you know, after I had just finished my homework. I had done seminary class. I turned in a paper. I was feeling pretty good about myself. And so I was looking for a chance to just unwind. And I watched this show called Forged in Fire. And it's awesome. Basically, they take these, you know, however many people, they get them together. I think they started with like eight people. And they have them forge blades in a time span of like three hours. So they've got to like get their forge ready. They've got to get it hot enough. They've got to get the steel in there. And they're pounding it out with the hammer. And then they're quenching it. And they're and at the end, what's so great about this show is that like half of them have like a lump of steel that's like bent and twisted. And half of them break. I mean, it's so high intensity. And I, I never really cared that much about making a sword or a dagger, but this show does an excellent job of showing you the intensity of what's going on, especially with these artificial constraints. Like it's got to be done in three hours. And there's a couple things that I want to pull out of that as I was t- thinking about what it means for us at the end of 2020 in this Christmas season. Uh, and we see that throughout scripture, that language of being forged by the, the, the refiner's fire that purifies. We see that language even as we talk about, it says, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And you see them grinding down these blades and you see this process. And there's a couple things that just stuck out to me. One of them is it's a lot messier of a process than we all like to think of. And I think that that applies to 2020 a little bit, and it applies to our life, right? When he's saying, oh, the refiner's fire, you'll purify me as gold is pure, as steel is pure. We think that's like this poetic language of this pretty process where you put some heat to it, and it's shiny, and it becomes brand new. But that's not what it looks like when these guys are forging these weapons, right? They're hammering on that iron or that steel or whatever metal they're using. They're just whacking at it, and then they're sticking it in this hot flame, and they have to be careful that it's not too hot because it'll warp the blade and then you dunk it in this water and the water like catches on fire as it's so hot. And I think that there's something about that for us in 2020. Not only is it a messy process that God is using to shape our lives, but it doesn't happen in three hours. Not a single one of those knives would you see on the on a store shelf. It was it's it's an artificial thing that they're doing to just weed out the people who are good or bad or whatever. That's not how forging really happens. It happens over time, lots and lots of time. And the process can look really, really ugly three hours into it or one year into it or a few years into it. God doesn't work on our time scale. So the consequences of what happened in 2020, we're going to see those play out. Keep your eyes open, not only for what happens in the world around you, because that's important, but especially for what's going on inside of you. What things did you accept in 2020 in your heart? Or what disappointments did you go through? What fears were you allowing to creep in that you weren't even paying attention? You didn't even notice. But God wants to use that to shape you. And the last thing I'll say, and this one's kind of a uh, just a challenge. If the forging goes wrong, they might have used the same heat, the same method, but that knife breaks. Or if that knife has cracks in it, you see it once they put it in the fire. The impurities become manifest. And so that's just a challenge to us. Just because you're going through hard times, it's not that phrase, right? What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. It's not true. It's not. Just because you went through difficulty does not mean that you grew and became stronger. That's actually a choice you get to make with God. Because of the grace of God, he can use all things for our benefit. 
But he gives us the option to cooperate with that process. He gives us the option when we go through that challenge to see his redeeming power. And that's really what the story we're talking about today narrows in on. And it's the story of St. Simeon. I know it's my mom's favorite, so I kind of had to talk about it. But she, there's a reason why St. Simeon is her favorite, because there's things that we can learn. And it's almost like this weird side story in the middle of Christmas. We just did the Christmas Eve service where we read like every reading imaginable about the birth of Jesus. And then the next Sunday, we're talking about this random guy you've never heard of, St. Simeon, who's waiting at the temple for the salvation, the consolation of Israel. And then we don't actually read it in the gospel, but we're going to read it right now. There's this other lady in there, St. Anna, who's also there. And I call them saints because uh, we, that's an honorific to say that we know that they were a part of the purposes of God and that now they've seen the salvation of God. And we're going to talk about that as we go through this story here. But as we read it, I want to just emphasize one other aspect of the Christmas story that we often don't mention. And that is that in the history of Israel, they've had these great rises and falls, like every civilization. These times where they've come close to God and they've seen him move in mighty ways. And then these times where they've been sold into slavery, where they've been oppressed, where they've been broken down, where they've had civil war, where they've had these awful experiences. And when Jesus comes on the scene, they've just had 400 years where they haven't seen a mighty move of God in their midst. 400 years we see in Scripture where they don't hear the new, the direction of God, the prophetic vision for them as a people, where they're just working away, trying to follow the law, looking, when is God going to show up? And that anticipation is highlighted in Simeon and Anna. The anticipation for God to come through and move in their midst. So let's read through once again the story, starting in Luke 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. First thing that we notice about Simeon is that prayer. It's probably one of the most hope-filled prayers in all of Scripture. Now let me depart in peace. There's this idea that we all have that as a goal for our life, that at the end of our life we can say a prayer like Simeon. Now you can let me depart in peace, for I've seen the purposes of God fulfilled in my life. And then you have Anna, who has a very similar experience. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So the whole point there is that for that time period, an 84-year-old is about as old as you could imagine. People were dying at the age of 40 and thinking that was a ripe old age. And so this lady, there's something about her. There's something about the longevity that she has 
And you know what? It ties right into what she does, right? When she became a widow, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour when Jesus and his parents are entering the temple, she began to thank God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So this is a remarkable moment, this intersection in time. We, we often read the Bible in this kind of two-dimensional fashion where we kind of follow our character and then we see our next character and we follow them. But there's all these people who are living at the time of Jesus who never have the opportunity to meet him. Or if they do, they don't recognize who he is. And yet you have Simeon and Anna who are there at the precise moment when Jesus is coming into the temple to be dedicated unto the Lord. And they get to participate in the story of Christmas. What is their secret? What do we need to learn from Anna and Simeon? To look at that, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. And so we're not going to go too deep into it, but I want to refer to what the concept is here. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And you might remember when we talked about that verse a month or two ago, we actually pointed out that what's, the, what's going on right now in our culture? What is under a microscope with congressional hearings and all this stuff? It's the advertising industry. The people in social media and elsewhere who are striving, paying billions of dollars to get your eyes on their message. So why does that relate then to Anna and Simeon? We're talking about how everybody's trying to steal your eyes. The reason is because they want to capture your attention, but Anna and Simeon were focused. They were focused on one thing. It says earlier in the verse, Simeon was righteous and devout. Now, righteous, we kind of understand. That is somewhat in usage today, right? In right relationship, he's a good guy, he's excellent. There's a lot of words for righteous, we get that. But devout, have you ever heard somebody described as devout in current usage? Like, oh man, look at that guy, he's so devout. It's not really common, but the meaning of devout is totally committed to a cause or belief. Simeon is totally committed. This is something that sets him apart. We get very little information about Simeon, but what we do see is that he has, he has a promise. He has a promise that he will see the consolation of Israel. And he's totally committed to that. He does day in and day out. All the pictures that we have depicting Simeon show him as this old man with this beatific look on his face. Because the point is, he has struggled day in and day out, but he's held on to one thing. The promise that God had given him, that he would see the consolation of Israel. And then to further emphasize the point we see it says about Anna she did not depart from the temple worshiping fasting praying day and night they were focused on one thing and that was to see the redemption of Israel to see the purposes of God 2020 was the year of distraction that's my that's my label for it. everybody's got something mine is 2020 was the year of distraction. The enemy was looking for any opportunity to pull us away from our focus on the one thing that is needful. That is God and his purposes. 
The story that God is telling in the midst of the noise that we heard this year. In Psalm 27, 4, it puts it this way. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I think that was a life verse for Simeon. He knew his scriptures, and he knew he was going to stay in the temple, seeking God, gazing on his beauty, beauty, and looking for him to arise. When you have an orienting principle, like we talked about when we talked about calibrating your compass, when you have a guiding star, a guiding purpose, then it doesn't matter what storm comes. You won't be distracted. In 2020, I think all of us got blue a little bit off course in our life. We found ourselves in the midst of a situation that was, as we've all heard, unprecedented, right? We've had a situation that threw us a curveball, and we had to decide how to act in ways that we had never had to make those decisions. The idea that there were services where there was nobody in this building at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning celebrating the Eucharist, that is unbelievable. We would have never considered that that could have been a possibility a year ago. But... In the midst of that, our orienting principle was God and God's purposes. As the rector's council met and they had to determine how to navigate this, this crazy year, we had that as that was always the thing that brought us back. We would stray and we'd talk about, well, this and this is the study, say this and that, and the, the guidances are this. But it was the noticeable when Eric or Father Victor or one of the other members of the rector's council would bring us back and say, you know what, but God wants this. Or we're called to do this. And that kept us sane in the midst of an insane world. That kept us making our decisions, trusting God to work it out. And maybe we got it wrong. But you know what? When you follow what God is asking you to do, when you seek his purposes, he has the best course correction, period, in the, in the end of the world. He's going to bring you along the path. He's not so worried that you get it right all the time. We are very concerned that we're right. I am very concerned that I'm right all the time. People will tell you, I like to be right. But you know what? God's way more concerned with our lifetime than with us being right on every little decision. And that's why we need a compass, right? When, when, when a ship is sailing to a destination, it doesn't go straight, especially sailing ships. They don't go straight because they, they have to find the wind to power their vessel. And maybe the wind's blowing this way. Maybe it's blowing that way. But because they have their orienting principle, their guiding light, their compass, they know that even if they sail way over here, they can be pulled back and they can keep following that needle. That's what Anna and Simeon had in the midst of 400 years of not seeing a mighty move of God for Israel. In the midst of oppression like we can't imagine in our free country. (laughs) In the midst of oppression and taxation and all the things that they were going through where they felt completely overwhelmed. There's one example I was reading about when I was reading about focus. And it was talking about snipers. And, you know, I, I, I love military things, right? It's cool. It's like we're talking about a sniper. You could use this same example and you could talk about somebody who, like, makes pottery or something. But the sniper is cooler. So let's start with this, right? The sniper might take 50, they, they might take, like, three days to go 50 yards in the brush when they're trying to approach their point where they can take a shot on a target. They might take three days to crawl 50 yards. 
And that's just a random number, but the point is it could be, you know, a day and a half to cross 10 yards. They slow down to a crawl, and they do every movement is intentional in pursuit of their goal. They'll ignore biting insects. They'll ignore hunger and fatigue. They'll ignore everything except for their one mission, the goal that they have, which is to get to that point. Because they're so focused on this goal, because they're so, they brought their focus down to that microscopic level, they'll notice the littlest things, the changes in the wind, the changes in the blade of grass. When we focus on God's purposes for us in our life, and when we really dial that in, where we're seeking what he wants for our life, and we don't let the distractions of this world to cloud our vision, God will, you'll start to see that God's moving in a myriad of ways that you were blind to just before. I've noticed this in my life when I'm going about my day and I lose track and maybe something happens. Maybe I get to work and I find out that, you know, instead of be in my comfortable flatbed driving around with my air conditioning, I get to go unload a bunch of hollow metal frames down at a job site in 90 degree heat. And, oh, you know, I have that moment where I could decide at that moment that, oh, this is so hard and I can get distracted. But then God might remind me in that moment. Now, of course, there are times where I let myself get distracted. But God can remind me in that moment when I take a second to focus. Okay, God, what are you doing? And then he says, you know, work as unto the Lord. It changes the whole nature of your day when you focus on the things that God wants to do in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not hard to haul hollow metal frames across a job site in 90-degree weather for six hours. It doesn't mean you're not sore. It doesn't mean you don't go through the, the bruises and the pain. But it does mean that there's, like those blades that are getting forged in the fire, you begin to be shaped in your character and in the way that you respond to those situations. Everyone's going to face tribulation. It just happens in this world. The question isn't whether you're going to face it. The question is, how are you going to cooperate with God or fight him in the midst of that? Because God can use every day to bring us closer to his purposes and his promises. Imagine Anna and Simeon. She's there, we know, 84 years she's been alive. Every day going to the temple, doing their daily duties, looking for God to move. And they don't see him day in and day out. Maybe they see a little breakthrough here, a little breakthrough there, but they don't see the consolation of Israel. How do they get through that? We just sang about it in that song. When I only see in part, I will prophesy your promise. They hold on to the promise, the guiding principle. This is really illustrated in the story where Jesus talks about two men who build their house, one on a rock and one on the sand. Well, don't you know that sand is rock. It's just like millions of little rocks. And in the same way in this world, when we go through our life, we can have millions of different ways to focus our attention. But the house that's built on a firm foundation holds on to that one uniting principle, the rock, Jesus Christ. And when you build your house on that foundation, it doesn't matter how many 2020s come your way. It doesn't matter how many storms come your way. Your house doesn't have to be afraid of the wind and the weather because you know that you're on the rock. And ultimately, that rock, that place of focus, will not be moved. 
If we want 2021 to be different than 2020, we need to focus our attention. The storm that was 2020 is not over. It's not just going to magically end on December 31st at 11.59 p.m. It's going to be a rough year, and then the next minute it's going to be beautiful 2021. We've still got plenty of storm ahead. But the hope that we have is that when we focus our attention, when we have that house that's built on that firm foundation, then we can actually see the salvation of God. God enlisted Simeon and Anna to pray for the very moment that they see at the end of their lives. That very moment for when Jesus is born and brought into the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. He enlisted them years and years before to pray because he wants our participation in his purposes. What is God enlisting you to pray for? It might be something that he's given you a promise for, something that he wants to accomplish in your life. It might be something that you see where there's a need, there's a pain, there's an illness, there's a deficit, and God's calling your heart to pray for that thing. Ultimately, we are all praying for the consolation of Israel. Because what that word means is not a consolation prize. We don't really know what consolation means in the original language if we just think about what we say. Like, oh, it's just a consolation prize. You know, they got second place. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about when he makes all things good. When he redeems all things. When every broken place in your heart is healed and redeemed through the power of God. Ultimately, we see this in eternity. But God's promised us that we will see his goodness in the land of the living. And so we press in and we hold on to the promises. We look for the consolation. And when devastation comes, for instance, our good friend Bishop Jones lost his brother and then his wife within a couple weeks, past few weeks. Desolation, tragedy, pain. And what we pray for Bishop Jones is the consolation of God, the healing power that fulfills every broken place. We know right now that Olivia, his wife, is experiencing the consolation of God, right? We know that there is an end that is good. And ultimately, when you read the story and when you look at these Anna and Simeon, this is the great thing about this story, is they not only were praying for the consolation of Israel, they recognized it in the form of a baby, That's the final point I want to make today, is that because they focused on the purposes of God, they were able to see when God showed up in their midst. As we think about redirecting our attention in 2021, it's not so that we could just have the easiest year of all time. It's so that we can see the purposes of God, and when God shows up, we can recognize it and praise Him for it. On Christmas morning... We wanted to record Rowan and Ruby's reactions, partially just because it's delightful, but also because uh, Haley's family in Connecticut had sent out presents, so we wanted them to see what it was going to be like. We wanted them to be a part of that. We wanted to bring them into that moment. So I'm setting up Haley's phone to record, and at first, where I set it, it just it couldn't find focus. It, it couldn't see. It was blurry, right, because it, it couldn't grab a shape. And so I, I moved it, and then it, 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 we actually have a, a fern-type pine thing that's, I guess, garland that's on our mantle, right? It, it zoomed in, and it just saw that one little branch and the needles on that garland. It, it was pointless because everything else was blurry. But when I put it in the correct place and the focus was on the right part of the room, then everything was clear. 
And that's what this whole sermon has been about. That when you can get your focus, where you're not distracted by some little thing that's in your frame of reference, some little, uh, and it might not seem so little at the time, but something like maybe you lost your job or maybe somebody's sick or maybe you don't know how you're going to get through the next day. Maybe there's something that has your utter focus. You see it in all its detail. But God wants to pull your focus to a different spot. He wants you to focus on him. And then everything else becomes clear. You've seen that with your phones. When it's unfocused, you can't see anything. You can't recognize what's going on in the room. But when you're focused on the right spot, everything becomes clear. And that's what happens with Anna and Simeon. Although hundreds, if not thousands of people, missed Jesus in the midst of his miracles, we see it again and again. He does these fantastic miracles where we're like, if I saw that, I'd know that that was God. I'd know that that was the Messiah. How could they miss it? Hundreds and thousands of people missed Jesus while he was on earth. Anna and Simeon saw him when he was just a baby. It's not like Jesus was like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm Jesus. He wasn't like healing everybody that he walked past. He was just a baby. Justin and Kimmy just had a baby. I don't have any suspicion that he's the son of God. There's nothing that shows me that, right? He's just a baby. He's not doing anything. But Anna and Simeon were so tuned in to what God had to say. Their focus was so on the right place that they saw clearly, this is the consolation of Israel. There's this great song from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Where are you, Christmas? That's the question, right? Now, How the Grinch Stole Christmas has the whole town sit around the tree and sing Kumbaya, and that's Christmas. That's not Christmas. They got it wrong. It's closer, but it's not it. Christmas is a baby. (laughs) The meaning of Christmas is that God came in a baby, and that now what Simeon said, I have seen the salvation of God. Each one of us can say that. We can claim we have seen the salvation of God. Of God, because what happened on Christmas morning? They didn't miss the true meaning of Christmas. And so, as we move into 2021, my question is Are you going to see the salvation of God? If you keep your eyes open, you orient yourself around the purpose of God, don't forget you're part of a bigger story. Then we will be able to pray with Simeon. Now, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good word, Jesse. Please stand and we'll continue with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven. 
and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. That our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. That they may be delivered from their distress. Give to the departed eternal rest. Let life perpetual shine on them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully accept the prayers of your people and strengthen us to do your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Lord. Lord. <laughs> so this is the third day of Christmas. Amen. During these 12 days of Christmas, there are some certain special holy days that we like to have special services here at St. Michael's. Tomorrow, one of our most important ones is the uh, um, Feast of Holy Innocence, which is our pro-life, the thing we really emphasize, our pro-life, which as a church, that has always been one of our primary focuses Amen. is recognizing uh, how important an unborn baby is. who we are. It's who we are. It's a part of who we are. So tomorrow there will be a noon Eucharist uh, for the Feast of Holy Innocence. And another one that we celebrate especially is the Feast of Holy Name, January 1st. That would be Father, like Father Powell's, one of his favorites. <laughs> he has claimed that one. Uh, New so Year's that's Day Friday. at 10. At 10. I'll have to tell this. Is that what it says? Am I reading properly? Yeah, there it is. Friday. Oh, it says right there. <laughs> Outstanding. Amen, so, brother. So those are two days that are important. Deacon uh, Michael Claire will be here on Monday for the Feast of Holy Innocence. That's always a good thing. If you want to you hear Mike, that's the day to do it. And you Otherwise, you've got to come to the 730 service when he comes and guest <laughs> preaches there. So. Amen. Bishop Kessler is uh, seeing family for the holidays, I believe. Sacramento. Sacramento, yeah. So pray for him and his travels. We want him to uh, have a great and pleasant trip and have safe travels on the way back. Amen. Is that it? Let's pray for the offering. As we prepare to celebrate, sorry, to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word. 
by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
baptize believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For through him, the holy exchange that restores our life has shone forth today in splendor. When our frailty is assumed by your word, not only does human mortality receive unending honor, but by his wondrous union, we too are made eternal. And so, in company with the choirs of angels, we praise you and join with them in this joyful proclamation. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread. He gave you thanks, he broke it, he gave the bread to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Olivia, Connie, Susan, Carl, Serena, Naomi, Rachel, Nadia, Kyle, Sonia, Maria, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Father David and Darcy, Bishop Davidson, Gage, Pamela, Barbara, Catherine, the Jones family, the Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them. 
and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Grant us thy Gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Thank you. 
Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now to the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. And may the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, fill your hearts and minds with the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Trust you in the process. I believe.